if you're trying to target Chinese users, uh, then I would say that you must be in China. China is a very special place. Everything is possible, but nothing is easy. Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Global from Asia, episode 176. How is everybody doing today? It's just been a little bit over a month since our second annual cross-border summit, and we already have dates selected for next year's. It's going to be April 20th and 21st, 2018. It will be, again, on a Friday and a Saturday. People seem to like that, and we want to keep it in Shenzhen, China. I know some people want to do it in Hong Kong, and we're talking other continents as well to have it happening in other places. Uh, but we want to keep it in Shenzhen. Uh, there's not many English international events here and people really enjoy it and the local, local community also enjoys it. So I hope to see you there. You can get, if you are a super fan, you can get your tickets super duper early and uh, a super duper price. It's at crossbordersummit.com slash 2018 or 2018. And there also are other summits for those that can't come out to China or Asia. We're working on other ones in other parts of the world with, with some other organizers, so it's going to be pretty amazing. Alrighty, enough of that. For this week's show, we have a special guest, Kevin Chen, the founder and CEO of italkai.com. It's an authority in the learning space for language learning around the world through online teachers. Uh, and he's actually given me a lot of great advice over the years for when I was doing my startup social agent marketplace and, uh, you know, and also with Global From Asia. He's just a really great guy, gives and gives and gives. And today's show is a perfect example of that. He's going to be sharing very openly about the start of his now very successful iTalkEye platform, as well as some of the lessons, the struggles, the celebrations that he has been through. Uh, so it's, it's a very great interview and I hope you guys enjoy and uh, let's take it away, Kevin. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another Global From Asia podcast. We have an old friend of mine and mentor and give you know marketplace uh, expert, I would say, as Kevin Chen from iTalkie. Thanks for being here, Kevin. It's great to be here. Thanks, Michael. Great. Yeah, man. Um, I was just we're just catching up a little bit before the recording, and uh, yeah, I mean, you've been at you've been well through many a few different startups earlier and how long now with with <laughs> with this one it's oh man too long uh yeah i italki got its official start in 2007 so it's been now wow almost a decade so Amazing. we aren't really yeah a young company anymore um but yeah you know it, it's been an interesting ride and for sure we've learned a huge amount sure so you're over you're up in shanghai we've met once or twice and uh that's where yeah. you guys are headquartered. I've actually stopped by the office. You've been in quite a few offices, if I remember correctly. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, well, we've been in Shanghai, and uh, yeah, I mean that's where the team is. We're officially headquartered in Hong Kong, but um, as you know, with many China businesses, uh, they will have a kind of an official, um, you know, like where the company is registered, particularly for overseas fundraising, and then you will have a uh, an R and D center in Shanghai, um, which is yeah. You know, uh, a wholly foreign donut enterprise. Um, so that's our structure. Great. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this kind of fits into our show. Like Global Media started as a Hong Kong business podcast, just kind of like get a little bit of a uh, differentiator than China business. So we we like to talk about doing business in China or in Asia with a 
a Hong Kong or a you know, parent company. And a lot of our listeners and, and previous guests also have a similar structure, which which makes a lot of sense, which we could also touch on in the in the interview today. So Definitely. maybe just a little bit about the, you know, the the quick quick uh quick background for the listeners. Yeah. Um well uh I, I'm an American. Uh, I grew up near the DC area, um, went to school uh, there as, as well as um, in Europe. And uh, my first career was in finance. Um, I worked uh, at the, well, the investment banks formerly known as Lehman Brothers and <laughs> Merrill Lynch. Uh, but I left that industry a uh, while back now, uh, long before the financial crisis and so on. Um, I wanted to do something different. And uh, that's when I traveled to China. Um, I came to China yeah, more than a decade ago um, without too much of a plan. And uh, yeah, the first thing I did when I got to China was start studying Chinese. And uh, after about a year of studying Chinese and uh, trying out some different consulting gigs, uh, I decided to jump into the internet space. Um, I, I think the best way to describe this, I just didn't know what I didn't know and how much difficult it would be and you know, all the things that you had to learn um, to make it work. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, um, I started a startup, which blew up. And then the second startup I worked on is, is italki. And, um, and for sure it's been a crazy ride. So. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> I could only imagine 10 years. Uh, it's, we have a similar background. I'm at, I'm at Deutsche Bank, a guy in wall street. So I, yeah. a lot of people do the investment banking or the, or the finance just kind of, it's a good way to get some, get some money in a resume. You know, I think, uh, yeah, at least what a lot of people do. Yeah, when I was graduating, I think, um, yeah, it was definitely the, the place to go. I mean, startups was not a thing for people on the East Coast. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it seems like it's got a good uh, pedigree. You know, it adds, as you mentioned, to your resume. Um, but yeah, it's not, as you know, um, now as an entrepreneur, it's so different from actually building anything. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I lived in spreadsheets all day or, or something, but uh but cool. Well, yeah, let's go. Let's go back to the, the juicy stuff. Uh, yeah, just a quick one. We before we record, we we're talking about I talk I or I talk E. I like that little fun story <laughs> of the yeah. name. Uh, when we started, it was uh, we, you know, the founders. Uh, you know, we we called it I talk I, and we thought that that would be easier to uh, remember and, and to pronounce. Um, but it turns out that um, you know our users, um, depending on where you came from in your world, would um, would say I talk E. Uh, we did a survey when it turns out, I think something like 80% say italki, maybe, you know, 10% say um, italki. Um, that tends to be people from like, romance language backgrounds, French or Italian. And then, uh, yeah, and then you have these minorities who say other things like italki. Uh, yeah, my marketing people were basically telling us that, look, we have videos, we have, you know, you have appearances, we need to decide on a pronunciation. And so I guess um, I'm the one who had to change. Uh, so officially, I guess it's italki. Um, cool. Yeah. But, you know, I think we, we, we feel like it's a tomato, tomato question. True. Well, it's <laughs> like, I think most of your users maybe never say it out loud because you're mostly been online based business, right? I mean, the, everything yeah. is online. So, yeah. Well, you know, but people talk to each other. Hey, have you seen that website? It's called blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> they'll say something. <laughs> cool. So, so how did it 2007, you say, like, what's, uh, what's that like? light bulb in your in your yeah. mind um well at that time uh my first startup fomento was starting to uh go into decline i guess you could say um and i was sharing office space with an english teaching company 
And, you know, I'd done all this research in social networking and, uh, you know, just trying to the ideas of, you know, what was possible when you try to put people together in marketplaces and so on. Um, yeah, my first startup was about family social networking. And it was about the idea of connecting family members together um, to record family history. And, you know, we were looking at Skype and we we're looking at, you know, a lot of these uh, technologies that we thought were pretty cool at the time. And then uh, when I spoke, you know, with uh, this English teaching company, I ended up connecting with their tech team. And I was telling them, it's like, look, you know, it's, uh, we, we should be able to apply some of these same ideas to language learning. Um, um, for, my, for myself, the personal parallel was uh, when, I, when I was studying French in high school, um, I studied it for more than three years. And I came out not being able to speak, you know, have a basic conversation in French. Um, when I was in China and learning Chinese, um, I was able to make much faster progress. My Chinese got much better than my French, you know, has, has ever been. And, and the issue there was, you know, what was it because my textbooks were better? Was it because, uh, you know, what was it because I had a, a better teaching method? It's like, no, the only reason my Chinese got better was because I was using it. I had friends, I had personal tutors, I had teachers and so on. So what, you know, we were, all we were trying to do was, you know, was trying to create that experience, you know, the, the virtual immersion experience uh, by, you know, helping to connect people around the world uh, through essentially a language learning social network. So that was like the very beginnings of italki in 2007. And um, yeah, you know, we pushed out a very light, um, you know, prototype. Um, it got a really positive response. And then, you know, then we just started running from there. Yeah, great. Yeah, I mean, it's always, it's, I think, uh, as entrepreneurs, we are always trying to solve a problem, right? Whether it's what we're working on at the moment <laughs> and, uh, or what we're, what we're seeing in, in front of our face. So, yeah, so no, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I just, you know, it's like in China in particular, you, you hear about all these people who have Yaba Yingwen, right? Mute English. Mm. It's, you know, they study English for six years or eight years in school. But they've never spoken to, uh, you know, a native speaker of English. They've never spoken to a foreigner. Yeah, and that's just something that shouldn't happen today. <laughs> it's totally, totally true. So, so how did how did you launch? How did you guys so you b- build it first? MVP one sided, or or what was maybe the first? Yeah, first way you got uh, out there. Um, the so Italki was uh, started way back in the days, you know, before lean startup and customer development was a you know was a well known thing. Um, I have to say that you know we we just kind of threw out our first version and launched it without that much thought. Um, and it was you know I guess that's one of the things I would have maybe done differently. Um, yeah, we we made our very first version and it was light and it was great. Um, it was just connecting, allowing people to meet up with each other. We you know, search for a, you know a type of profile, you know, like oh, I'm interested in someone who speaks Japanese, um, you know, and then you know who speaks, uh, you know, who, who's interested in learning English. And it was just searching for profiles and connecting, you know, allowing you to make friends that way. Mm. So it was light and it was um, you know, and it just had a positive response. Um, so that part was good. I think um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a deep thought out. It wasn't like we made 10 different versions. We did, you know, all these uh, surveys and, you know, whatever, uh, Wizard of Oz variants <laughs> and so on, like nothing like that. It was just something we just pooped out and just threw it up um, and just let it run. I think after that is where we probably could have really used the, um, you know, these more intelligent, um, systematic ways of, of customer development and so on. Um, you know, we ended up just adding lots of extraneous features and having to rip them off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that was the sort of, that was the period I feel like we probably could have been, <laughs> we were not that experienced. I guess, yeah. So, uh, I know we were talking earlier, you're, you're using like 
I believe a Linux machine now. And uh, so are you te- are you technical or like you're a develop you're a developer? You say you're the designer, the, the marketer. No, no. Um, I myself, so I'm much more the the business background person. Um, you know, I think. Um, Italki, you know, uh, was uh, you know was partly um, you know my co-founder, of course, also had his ideas, uh, but from my side, it was much more about the product. Um, I was thinking that, yeah, you know, had I had something like Italki when I was studying French, you know, I would have made so much more progress, right? Um, you know, like I just remember, you know, studying at home, memorizing whether the chair was masculine or feminine, you know, and, it, and I, but I couldn't ask even basic questions in, in French. So this is what we, that's what we were trying to solve initially, right? Wouldn't learning French be so much more interesting if we had friends, you know, would it be so much more interesting if we had, you know, a personal teacher or a personal tutor from France? Yeah. I think from the uh, technical side, that's my co-founder. Uh, his name is Jiang Yongyue. And yeah, he was attached, of course, he was working on this, this team already that had developers and designers. And those guys um, became the founding team of italki. Um, mm. So yeah, it was kind of like, that was the combination. Great. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know about you, you know, I know you go to a lot of startup events. I always go to these events and they're always looking for a technical co-founder. So <laughs> it's like the, the magic, uh, the magic, uh, yeah, key the unicorn to, guy. <laughs> yeah. The magic key to there. So yeah. maybe we can answer how you found yours or maybe how you think maybe business guys like us find our technical yeah. co-founders. I, I have to say in my case, I was lucky. Um, I wish I had a uh, better story <laughs> about how I shopped around and I interviewed 10 people and I really hit it off and all this stuff. It was not, I was sharing office space and yeah, it just turned out to be um, a very lucky and a very um, fortuitous match. I think, um, yeah, in that respect, it's, you know, I do feel like getting co-founders is like getting married, mm-hmm, right? Totally. Um, and, you know, that's why they call it co-founder dating and so on. Um, and that for sure, I think I've seen a lot of friends who, gotten into bad matches um and you know they had to divorce later that's always an awful experience uh i was lucky um if i were to do it again i think it'd be i I think it's one of the toughest parts about you know um creating a company you Mm. need to find someone who has uh, a totally different skill set to you um i would even argue even a different um personality type than you and you know to make that right combination of what your company needs you know you need some guy who is like the cheerleader you need some guy who's like the you know realistic sort of analyst guy. Uh, yeah, you need someone who's good at marketing. You need someone who's good at you know the the hard building and development. Um, it's it's a hard thing to find a good match, and um, and yeah, I, I think it's you know <laughs> there's no easy way around it. Um, I got lucky. Cool. And, uh, yeah, I think you know we benefit for it. Yeah. Well, I think also you. I probably have a feeling he's this technical guy saw you that you were, you were actually taking action in your idea. Probably you weren't just waiting to, I think a lot of times these business guys at these startup events are just kind of like waiting for that magic developer partner to build their dream. I'm sure you had a a pretty good clear idea of what you needed and had some ideas from your, you know, your, uh, feedback and discussions, like you mentioned earlier in the interview. So I, I always basically tell a lot of these business guys to don't to sit around and wait, like, you know, get, get beta signups, get clear, get clear specs of what you actually want. Cause I think that's the most frustrating thing for a developer, right. Is to build something and they're not, they're not sure, you know, they're not even sure if it's going to be chucked in the garbage next week and make a new one. So I think probably my advice, I don't know if you agree is to 
have a little bit of a clear idea of what you need rather than just saying it's this idea that I verbally can say on a, on a phone call or in a, in a bar, you know, like you have to actually write it down. Absolutely. And I think that that's what lean startup and customer development is all about. I mean, to the extent that you can validate your ideas, validate your assumptions, you know, if, if you have some sort of uh, subject matter expertise, you know what I mean, about, you know, your customers, about, you know, yeah, how the industry works. Um, I mean, that's your job, right? You know, I mean, on the other side, if you're the product guy or if you're the marketing guy, I mean, you better have that part thought out pretty well. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, there's no, yeah, I, I, but, you know, that, that chemistry that you have with your co-founder, uh, I mean, that's all really critical. And I think there is no just kind of like, oh, I just went to one event and found the guy. I mean, I think it's a long process. Mm-hmm. You need to vet each other. You know, you really have to trust this person and, you know, and, and if it all blows up in a year, that's not like the hard part, right? The hard part is, uh, you know, on the chance that it's like somewhat successful and you're still together after three or four years or five years or six years, you know, it's like, are you still going to be happy working with each other? You know, is this person going to grow with you and grow with the company? Um, you know, do you have what it takes to, you know, to, to work together in that relationship? So, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely, um, you know, both sides are dating and both sides are, you know, trying to make sure that they, they found the right match. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, like I think I married early and it was just a crapshoot and (laughs) lucked out. Got it. Yeah. Well, um, back to the product. So yeah, you, you guys have an Android app now. Congrats. I know apps are a big pain in the butt. So, um, yeah, Yeah, I think it's, uh, everyone knows it's, you know, forever, uh, mobile's huge force, um, in, in technology and in internet. Um, yeah, we were a little bit late to launch, I would say, but, um, yeah, we, you know, we, you know, it's a variety of factors. We have not just our Android app. We also have our iOS app, um, that's out there as well in the beta form. And, um, yeah, we've just been continuing to develop it. Uh, you know, we hope to create a, um, over time, a more mobile first experience for italki, um, you know, not everybody was starting their language with their laptop open. And I think that, you know, mobile, you know, presents uh, a lot of really interesting challenges, but also a huge amount of promise for, you know, people who want to learn anywhere, you know, in the most convenient way possible. Definitely. It's, it's, um, you know, it's an exciting direction we're trying to, you know, move in, which I think the whole world has been pretty clued in on for some time. Yep. Yep. Uh, I mean, mobile is, I guess everybody's on the go, you know, like, I remember desktops to laptops and it was kind of cool that I could take my computer out of my house and now it's like everything is in your pocket and uh, probably be soon in your, you know, like in your brain or just don't even have a physical device, but (laughs) that'll be later. So, which goes back into like the value, I think, of italki as well as a lot of uh, businesses is really the the brand or really it's at the core is the community, which I think uh, you've definitely guys have done a great job at building community yeah. especially with a two-sided marketplace i know you say i'm a sucker for punishment too with my uh pursuit <laughs> of making one uh but it's definitely very valuable like it's very difficult but it's very valuable uh so how did you start to kind of build and sure. maintain and grow this this amazing global community now yeah two-sided marketplaces um and networks are uh are, are hard i definitely um you know i think Let's see. In our case, um, yeah, in our case, uh, you know, we started off with a social network. Um, We started off with, you know, uh, this peer-to-peer learning with people doing language exchange. So that was our initial base. Um, Over time, we built 
to the marketplace side. It would be, you know, we didn't want it to always be like, oh, I'll trade you learning in, you know, an hour of English for learning an hour of Chinese. A lot of people um, don't have the ability to help or are just, you know, they're not as interested in teaching um, their native language and they're willing to pay. So um, we built our marketplace piece on top of uh, the community piece. And uh, yeah, and, and in that respect, as you know, as a two-sided marketplace, there's generally one side that tends to be uh, more scarce or more difficult to, um, to acquire. Um, in our case, uh, you know, reaching out to teachers was um, relatively easy because, you know, for teachers, we're offering money to them, right? I mean, we're offering customers. And um, I think it's more from the student side that you have to, uh, that, you know, we have to reach out to them and, and let them know that there is this way of learning a language um, you know, that you can get a one-on-one -on -one teacher from another country and that it's a trustworthy system and that the teachers will be good and that they'll have a, a good experience. Um, you know, if you can get, in our case, if you can tell more people and get them excited about this idea, um, you know, that naturally draws in the teachers um, because, you know, obviously the students will be paying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In our case, uh, how did we do it at the beginning? It was initially through a social network. And then over time, uh, yeah, we use a variety of different ways to, um, to reach people. Um, but yeah, you know, as you mentioned as well, you know, maintaining the community or maintaining the marketplaces, um, that's, that's also another, um, you know, <laughs> that's also another subject into itself. You know, mm -hmm. like, uh, make sure that you don't have bad actors. How do you raise the quality level? How do you, you know, make sure that, you know, people are, are happy and transacting well, you know, it's not just, um, yeah, it's not just kind of like, oh, we tell people and just blast out advertisements. There's a lot to making sure that. Um, yeah, there's not abuse or that there aren't, um, yeah, you know what I mean? That people are having mm -hmm. experience. Definitely. Yeah. User experience is, is a great one. A uh, great answer. So yeah, I'm a user myself. I'm a, I'm a student. I agree. I don't really feel <laughs> like, I don't really feel like exchanging. I don't feel like teaching English, uh, <laughs> you know, so right. I just paid a fee and, uh, have somebody help me. I, I like, okay. yeah. so it makes, it makes sense. And, uh, we like language exchange. I mean, we think it's great. And a lot of uh, sites and apps do that. Um, but it's not the same thing also as being taught, right? I mean, you know, it's like, it's good for practicing for fluency. It's good for picking up, you know, new words here and there. And for, of course, um, for your motivation. Um, it's great to know that you can make friends, you know, and, and actually connect with people and hear about their lives and, and get a taste of the culture. I think all those things are great. Um, but, you know, even myself, you know, native speaker of English, like I couldn't sit down and really you know, work out like, well, you know, past participle, the rule is like this, you know, oh, okay, you know, it's like the, whatever, you know, what grammar rules or, you know, what you should be learning right now, this second, that's something that, you know, I don't have a background for. And, you know, and there are plenty of professional teachers that do. So I, I would combine the both, you know, and I think that's, that's, that's the key, or that's one of the factors in learning, you know, more efficiently. Got it. Okay. So you basically, you know, I'm just, this has been a great, Great sharing and appreciate it a lot. So this is like you said, there's a course exchanges. You guys are more transaction based, and I know there's packages, and of course there's a whole feedback and review system for the for the teachers, which is which is really good. I'm also just amazed, you know, because you're in inside China, and of course we always talk about the firewall and uh, <laughs> the challenges. Not even with just that but just managing multiple link even in your own team you must have a cross culture yeah. team um maybe this could be a two-part question is managing cross-border internet managing cross-border teams uh just general i know that could be each of those could be sure sessions in themselves but uh 
Absolutely. I think uh, you mentioned that it is a huge challenge. Um, so in terms of being within the Great Firewall, uh, you know, I, I don't think uh, we've told many people that um, the vast majority of our uh, business and our users are outside of China. Um, you know, our team is funnily enough inside, you know, the Great Firewall, but um, our servers and the vast majority of our tech resources are outside. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people around the world don't know that we're necessarily, uh, the team is based here in Shanghai. Mm. You know, for and for all intents and purposes, for our Chinese users, we are a foreign website because they're trying to connect with servers in Dallas or wherever. Um, yeah, in, in that respect, certainly when the Great Firewall uh, gets more challenging, um, it does affect us. And, you know, we use a ton of international services and it's, it's definitely painful. I would also say that in that respect, uh, you know, it's also painful for dealing with investors because mm-hmm. investors will get you and say, you know, why are you inside China? You, know, you should, you're doing a global product. Uh, your user base is international. Um, you know, why are you there? Um, you should be somewhere outside. And when you talk with investors who are in China, they are, they give you the same story. It's like, why are you here? You should be targeting China. You know, you're in China, you should be targeting China. And you say, well, you know, we're trying, but it's not necessarily our top priority. Um, I would say in the past year or so, since our latest round of investment, we have been more focused on China. And I think that, yeah, now we have, um, I don't want to say unfair advantages, but um, for sure we have a great partner with Hujiang and, uh, and we are excited about um, tackling the Chinese market great. Um, some extra help. So that's, um, that's something that we're trying to do, uh, particularly this year. Very cool. But um, yeah, but that's, you know, but exactly being inside the Great Firewall, it, it has been challenging. And mm-hmm. yeah. I'm sure you know for technical aspects, whether that's Google Play, yeah. whatever, it's, it's painful. Um, in terms of the team, I think that, uh, yeah, you know, we have a very international team. We're about half the staff are um, Chinese nationals. About the other half of the staff come from all over, all around the world. And um, I think that Shanghai is uh, an interesting city that way because, you know, it has so many people from everywhere. It has become quite international. And I think that that's, um, yeah, in terms of, uh, talent, that's great. In terms of uh, managing, you know, your internal team culture, I think that, that is, it is a, an extra level of difficulty. Um, we do spend a lot of time translating. We do spend a lot of times, you know, talking both in Chinese and in English. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, the diversity definitely brings you benefits, um, but of course, it also um, can, you know, can present its own challenges with communication. So very good. Uh, not not easy and. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I'd recommend it to other people. Mm, true. You know, there is something to be said for being a startup and, you know, uh, trying to operate as quickly as possible and having the same sort of, you know, kind of like internal cultural expectations. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think that, you know, hopefully in the long run, it also gives us um, other additional benefits. Great. Thanks for that insight and honesty. So, which maybe <laughs> hopefully you can answer honestly in the next question question my final question that i have is uh you know so of course we have a lot of it's english this is english podcast and people always either in in china and asia or think about coming over here to start their business um would you recommend going into shanghai to do like a (laughs) for i guess of course it depends but i mean i'd I'd love i don't know it's obviously it depends is the main answer but uh, just uh maybe generally uh so here uh, you know, someone asked me this just the other day as well. And I, I kind of have a, you know, like I have strong opinions on it. Um, these are just, of course, my own opinions. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not playing, I'm not pretending to 
you know, whatever God's truth or something like that. Um, my sense is that uh, it, a big question is where is the target market? Um, if you're trying to target Chinese users, um, you know, you're trying to target a Chinese you know, marketplace, uh, then I would say that you must be in China. I think that you, know, you shouldn't be sitting in Singapore. You shouldn't be sitting in, you know, wherever Canada and trying to sell to the Chinese. I think that that's really wrong. Um, China is a very special place. Um, the internet is different here. Uh, user expectations, user, you know, the, the whole ecosystem is totally different, as you know, you know, and you should be here. You should have a Chinese design team, a Chinese, you know, a UX team. You should, you know, you should Chinese marketing team. I mean, you know, BD team and so on. You need to be here to actually to be successful, in my opinion. Um, if your market is not China, then I think there is a good question of why are you in China? There are a lot of extra difficulties for being here, um, whether that is, yeah, culture or whether that is legal, right? Um, you know, or that is the great firewall technical all these things. I mean, there are a lot of extra challenges for being in China. So why why would you give yourself those extra difficulties if you weren't targeting China? Well, I think a lot has to depend on your product. If you are cross-border, then uh, yeah, then, then there are some good reasons to be here. Um, yeah, you know, I think it just depends on that. Okay. So um, I would say that if you're a foreigner and you want to come to China and you are targeting China and so on, um, my recommendation here is to, is to have a long-term view, you know, People, I think, let's suppose you're an American and you're, you know, you've done startup before in the States and you're like, wow, you know, I can, I can create a C Corp and, you know, I can put up some, you know, job postings, go to a couple startup events. I can create a team quickly and we can just, you know, fire something out fast. Um, I think that that's true in an American context. If you're an American and you know how it works, right. But then you come to China and it's not going to be true. You're not going to know how China works. You're going to be, uh, you know, there's a much higher legal and, you know, setup. To, to do it right here and, uh, you know, and of course, you know, finding the right people and then trying to get that chemistry together, that's going to be all very challenging. And yeah, I, I would just make sure that it's not that it's not possible, but it's that you have to study it and you have to do your time um, to get it. If you can't speak Chinese and you don't know what Chinese culture is like, then I think that you're really setting yourself up for um, failure or <laughs> yeah. at least an extreme amount of frustration, right? So you can be successful but I would not be expecting anything to like happen in six months or a year, right? Like with your flyby, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'll just try it out for a year and we'll see if it's successful. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, after that year, you will still just try to be figuring out, you know, how to set up a legal entity, uh, you know, like all the ins and outs of ICP licenses and, you know, like- you It's know, your, totally your, true. Your, 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 your social benefits that you have to pay out and, you know what I mean? It's it totally. Just, you know, like you're just going to be figuring out the most basic things about getting started. So, yeah, I just think it's not going to be fast, right? You know, I mean, the classic line is everything is possible, but nothing is easy. So, yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's kind of my thing. I think, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm the same. I mean, I always joke in my, uh, my content about, I thought I would come here for a month and figure things out from what originally was sourcing from factories for my e-commerce business. And then I'm like, well, this is longer than I expected to figure out. And uh, so I came back and I was like, I'll spend six months, you know, I'll rent an apartment to be willing to lose my deposit and kind of figure things out. And then now it's like going on 10 years for me and uh, still, <laughs> still here, man. So And every year you learn so much. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's not like you, you haven't been doing anything this whole time, right? I mean, you've yeah. been, you know, you're, you're figuring the ins and outs. So you have more knowledge and, you know, connections or, you know, you just have more know-how. 
And, uh, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's a steep learning curve and, and you have to get through it. Um, people, you know, you can't just like, Oh, I'm a smart guy and I've done it in the States and you just show up and it's going to happen. It just doesn't work that way. And, uh, I think that that's why a lot of Western internet companies come to China and then lose, right? They are, um, they assume it's going to be, you know, that what they've learned in some places is going to be mm-hmm. directly applicable mm-hmm. and for sure it's helpful, but it's, uh, yeah. you know, they have not spent the time to understand the local conditions. And it is sophisticated, right? I mean, there's a lot to it. So, you know, I mean, for sure, you know, and that doesn't even count, you know, being successful as opposed to just getting something off the ground. Being successful and dealing with your Chinese competition or, yeah, you know what I mean? Just just how fast and how fierce this particular domestic market is, I think, is that is a subject, as you know, to mm, itself. Totally. So, well, yeah, you know, maybe we'll have to get you back on. It's been a really helpful podcast. And I know you're a busy guy. And uh, so, of course, uh, maybe it was just how people could find you guys online. I talk, I, the letter I, so I at both ends, but it's pronounced italki.com, of course. Uh, totally recommend it. If maybe they should use that while they're back over, back in home in the US or overseas before they, like you said, move over here and try to figure Absolutely. things out. Um, and you, Absolutely. And, yeah, uh, if you're coming out to China and you can't speak Chinese, that's going to be a huge, yeah, huge weakness. And uh, and for sure, Chinese lessons on Italki are uh, very reasonable. You know, you can <laughs> you can get a lot of lessons for yeah, ten bucks or less. And uh, yeah, I would just uh, I, I would just get as much um, exposure to China, bef- you know, as you can before you show up. It, it'll help you for sure. Yep, great. All right, Kevin. Thanks. Thanks so much for your time. And uh, any last, any last, maybe links or or uh, or plugs you want to put in for uh, listeners? <laughs> no, no. I think it's great. I really appreciate uh, you know, getting the chance to be on the show. Okay. And, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, check out the site. Thanks, <laughs> thanks Kevin. Take care. Bye. Thank you, Kevin, so much for coming on the show. And I love nice guys like Kevin that always help share and guide entrepreneurs through their businesses, even when their own is doing so well. Uh, and he's still so down to earth and, and a humble guy. So it's really awesome. So congrats, Kevin. And if you are considering learning a new language, uh, Chinese, Spanish, Hebrew, or whatever, italki.com is a great platform for you to check out. Uh, he's not a sponsor, didn't even really want to promote his own thing, but I, I've used it for Chinese learning. And basically you can find uh, teachers online and usually Skype or other, other ways uh, to communicate with them or WeChat video. And it's pretty flexible. You just buy credits online and use them as you want and talk directly to the teacher. So, so I definitely suggest using it as part of your le- language learning strategy. And also Global From Asia is growing. It's uh, almost four years now since we started this podcast. And I'm happy uh, to be able to do more and more of what I love to do, which is helping you guys, connecting amazing people with other people in the world. And uh, we've had a couple of amazing events just this past week. I know I don't really promote it too much on the podcast because they're local events and we don't prepare in advance enough for uh, for the podcast to, to even hear about them or pretty much promoted in a couple of weeks notice. So we had a GFA experts meetup last Thursday, about 20 or so people came from mostly in the Shenzhen and Hong Kong community for e-commerce. And we talked about logistics. It was an amazing talk. And then we also had a full day workshop for called the GFA experts workshop with Mayer. Um, he'll be on a podcast soon. Uh, he talked about Amazon leverage. He was one of the most popular speakers at the cross-border summit this year. And uh, there will be more events with him too. Uh, 
as well as hopefully a podcast working on that. If you want to keep up with these events, because um, it's hard for me to keep you guys informed on a podcast because they're happening rather short notice, you can get up on our email list for these events specifically at globalfromasia.com slash events. So that's it for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Uh, and not just listening, but taking action. You know, I know a lot of other podcasters say that too, but it's it's true. You know, we can sit here and, and listen and uh, and uh, and learn, but it's not really learning unless you actually get out there and make some mistakes and bump into some walls. And and uh, you know, we can't, especially in today's day and age, we can't blame other people for not letting us do what we need to do. It's it's a pretty free world for most everybody in the world in today's society. So it's just about taking action and doing it. So let's make it happen. And uh, I hope you guys succeed. And I'd love to hear more case studies and testimonials and maybe get some more of you guys on the actual show and on the podcast. And uh, that's it for this week. See you guys next Tuesday, 10 a.m. Hong Kong time. Alrighty, Cheers. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.